Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Before we begin, I just want to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our goal this year is to have 10,000 subscribers or more, and we think we can do that. We've got about 8,400 right now. And with your help and the help of others, we think that's doable. And uh, what it does is it helps spread the, medic- the news about the medical benefits of cannabis, and which is what we're going to hear about today. Now, prostate cancer is the sixth leading cause of death among men worldwide, with more than 360,000 men dying of the disease each year. And the prostate slowly begins to enlarge as a man gets older, as some of the prostate tissue gets replaced with a scar-like tissue. That condition is called benign prostatic hyperplasia. Uh, From there, it can become cancerous. And joining us today is Paul Rumpel from Florida, who was told he only had a few years to live. Paul, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Paul, how much time did the doctors give you? Uh, When I was first diagnosed in the summer of 2012, they didn't tell me really how much time was left at that point, but they did uh, say that it was an angry cancer. It was caused directly from uh, Agent Orange from Vietnam, and I had to have immediate surgery because it had already broken out of the side of the prostate. And I was discovered during an annual physical that I had. And so we went from there to surgery in September to radiation treatment that following uh, spring in 2013. And um, then I went on to uh, the hormone shots and had those. But they told me then that it would be about 10 years and that would be all there was to it. But. In the summer of 2018, I was diagnosed as it had spread to metastasize to the bone. And they gave me two to three years, five tops. And we're going on three years right now. That's fantastic. Uh, Now, let me back up a bit. You were in the Vietnam War, I assume. Yes, sir. And uh, Agent Orange was quite prevalent during the war. Yes, and the doctors believe that was the cause of your prostate cancer. Yes. Now, before you went to the doctor to get it checked, what were some of the conditions that you were experiencing? Uh, It just came up in my uh, blood work when they did lab testing and stuff, and there was nothing to really alarm them except that the PSA was climbing. And my regular uh, primary physician uh, did a a prostate check exam, a prostate exam, and said he was going to send me off to a a urologist because he was concerned. Well, the urologist was in there about 10 seconds. He came on and he said, we got a problem. 
And he said, there's a large lump on the side of your prostate. And they did some biopsies and stuff. And he called it angry cancer, which was very aggressive. He said he'd only seen it two other times in his entire career. And he said, we have to treat that immediately. And I said, well, doc, if it was you, what would you do? And he said, I would have it removed. So we went to surgery and had the prostate removed. And it came about very quickly. It was like June or July in the summer. And by the end of September, the prostate was out. And we had uh, aggressive treatments that did not stop it. It didn't get it all. So it continued to spread and grow over the course of six to eight years until I got this final result here almost three years ago that I had two to three years to live, five tops. And that's when we were introduced to Corey and started our treatments. Well, do you recall what your PSA level was at that stage in the game? It had, uh, when it originally started, it was up in the high teens, like 17, 18. And, right. and then it started to climb again. And in, uh, in the summer of 2018, and it wasn't real high. It had only gotten up to maybe seven, seven or eight. But I was still under the injections, the hormone injections, to stop the testosterone production. Right. And then they put me on some pills, uh, enzalutamide pills, to um, increase the testosterone blockage, I guess you would like to call it. And at that point, you know, when we were given that documentation with the, the hormone injections, the enzalutamide, and the THC that we received through your help and doing the suppositories, uh, the PSA dropped right down to, I think the last reading was a 0.28. So you're a 0.28 now. Correct. And I haven't had, uh, and we just had uh, some x-rays done of the hips and everything and the bones and the hips, and they could not find any sign of any cancer whatsoever. Awesome. Now, I know when you came to me, you had metastasis to the spine or hips or both or? Yeah, it had metastasized to mostly the bone. And they also uh, said that it had occurred in some of the lymph nodes in the hip and pelvic area. And that's why they gave me uh, two to three years, five tops. And now you have no cancer detectable. It's undetectable. They cannot find it at all. And we did the suppositories for a year. And I stood and I just received another 30-day supply because it was suggested by you, Corey, that... Uh, continue to take maybe low doses all yeah. the time. Yes, but absolutely. Yeah. It's been yeah. almost two years now since I've had any doses, and the x-rays were just a couple months ago, if that, and uh, zero detection, completely gone. Awesome, but you do want to stay on that maintenance dose. I have seen people that do this and stop taking it, and then we see it come back. So. But that's really wonderful to overcome that. So, Paul, when you took, when you took cannabis oil, were you doing only suppositories? 
Yes, I did for a while. I did the very small rice size um, amount, and I would uh, put those into a uh, gelatin capsule, and I kept them in the freezer. And uh, each day, I would probably take one in the morning and maybe one in the afternoon trying to build myself up. Right. After a while, I was taking one every three or four hours and did that for about three months. And I was in a complete state of euphoria. I was having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of stoned all the time until the wife says, you got to stop taking those orally. You know, because I was driving the car and we'd leave the house and we'd get two blocks away and I'd say, where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot where we were going so that's when we started doing the suppositories I was able to increase the dosage uh, exponentially at that point I was up to a third to a half a gram a day and doing the suppositories and there was no ill effects or no um, high at all it was amazing it sure makes a difference oh it made a huge difference a huge difference. I was able to get up to about three quarters of a gram a day. And probably the last three months of that year, I was doing that three quarters of a gram per day. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Paul, be, be totally honest with you, with us. Did you really Certainly. like getting high? Not really. Oh, you know, okay. it, was, it was kind of confusing. Uh, the euphoria was there. I was kind of walking around on a little bit of a happy days. You yeah. know, I just... Well, okay. You know, I wasn't functioning so good. Uh, even even my actions got a little slow. You know, I was starting to get so used to it that I wasn't alert enough to continue that. Did you have any experience with cannabis prior to this? Yes, sir. I imagine in the Vietnam War there was a lot pass- being passed around. Uh, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. I mean, it was it was so easy to come by it, that and harder drugs and everything else. But the cannabis was simple. I mean, you know, from the from the local population, you could pick it up dirt cheap, and it was very easy to get. Now, well, how did you? How sorry, Corey, go ahead. What was the reaction, if any, from your uh, physician when you get the? with no cancer detectable from the physician you said yeah um his response was uh, very positive you know i have yet to tell him that we did some self-medication the physician because being in the va and with some of the restrictions for the disability the dav and the percentage and stuff through the government, through the Veterans Association, I was very concerned about losing my benefits. So I have not said anything to my oncology physician that we did this self-medication. Okay. But, But he was very positive when he found out that there was no sign of cancer anywhere in those x-rays. He says, I can see your arthritis. He says, I See the condition of your bones and everything, and there's nothing there that I can see that shows any type of cancer. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty amazing when it's gone that far. 
You know, in, when we when we talk to uh, people about the prostate, um, it really hits home with me because my dad and his five brothers all had cancer, and with the exception of one, they all had prostate cancer, and uh, they underwent conventional treatment, uh, no cannabis oil, of course, and eventually the only one who did not undergo conventional treatment. He uh, stopped uh, drinking alcohol and consumed a lot of Essiac tea, which uh, some of the aboriginals in Canada used. And as a result of that, he lived the longest. And uh, I've always kept an... uh, I've always been concerned about prostate growth, and as a result of this and hearing your story, I think it it is a real fascinating story for men, no matter where they live, that uh, the use of suppositories can be extremely beneficial and life-saving for those people who suffer from prostate cancer. Do you agree? Oh, yes, Absolutely. After the my condition was reevaluated, so to speak, this past few months, and I know it has to be a direct result of the cannabis uh, THC suppositories, because there was nothing else they could do for it. You know, they said that once it metastasized to the bone and the lymph nodes, um, there's aggressive um, chemotherapy and stuff, but there was nothing they could do to stop it. They could slow it down, but that was it. And now they can't find it anywhere. That's amazing. Paul, did you choose to change your diet as well? Oh, yes, ma'am. I did start the keto diet, and uh, we did do that a bit and um, drink uh, the keto shakes and everything else. And I also also stopped drinking uh, alcohol. Uh, It's pretty rare now that uh, if I do have a drink, it's one. I'll have one like at a restaurant where we're going to have dinner. Mm -hmm. Right. Then I don't have another one for weeks. So I call that pretty much 99% alcohol free. Yeah. So So basically you did a keto diet then? Yes, did a keto diet for, oh, a good six months. When we first uh, started into our research and fighting the prostate cancer and continue to still check carbs and uh, the keto uh, lifestyle, um, I would say about 40 to 50 percent of the carbs and keto lifestyle because I'm a little weak with liking my sweets and my ice cream. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> I have to admit it. I'm sorry, but yeah. you know. that's the stuff that cancer loves. So I know it. Yeah, Dr. Bob Melamed absolutely swears by a keto diet in conjunction with oil. Mm-hmm. Yep, but I'm I'm 100% convinced that the cannabis treatments that that I went through for over a year uh, worked. They worked. Amazingly. One of the things, Paul, that uh, you mentioned, the keto diet, 
and reducing your grains. I read uh, several months ago that grains can be responsible for the growth of the prostate over time. And it was interesting to find out uh, an article that was on Harvard Men's Health Watch page on the internet that as you age, your prostate can grow from the size of a walnut to about the size of a lemon. And doctors aren't clear as to why the prostate grows like this. But the keto diet reduces this, uh, I don't want to say reduces the size of the prostate, but because it is low in grains, doesn't allow the prostate to enlarge and become a very serious problem. So just to back up a, a bit, you do not have a prostate, correct? Correct. Correct. It was completely removed. Completely removed. So the problem that you had was that because of the problem with your prostate, it metastasized to the bones. Correct. Do you and know... That, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that was after the prostate was gone for eight years, six years, because ah. it was removed in 2012, and we had the diagnosis in 2018 that it had metastasized to the bone and the lymph nodes. And the 60 treatments, 60 days of radiation therapy that I had did not get it all. So how did you deal with how did you deal with the radiation? How did that impact you? It didn't seem to bother me much. Uh, I was a little sore in the area because they put the little uh, golden seed pods they call them into that area and try to um, isolate so they're not like doing a blanket area. They're doing a precise treatment mm-hmm. in one particular spot. And it uh, it didn't seem to bother me much at all that I remember. A little sore sometimes, but I think that because those seed pods took that radiation directly and targeted it in a certain area. But it didn't slow me down. It didn't stop me from any activities. It didn't take me off work or anything like that. So it, my response to it was very good. Hmm. Paul, do you... Are you aware of any other Vietnam vets who have issues like you do? No. Um, A lot of the vets that I know um, have not had, or I don't, I'm not privy to their story. So I really couldn't, but I have to say no, I'm not aware of any of the other ones that uh, were over there. A lot of the guys that I was stationed with in, uh, in our company uh, lived in different states. Mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have any that were uh, like local with me. So when I came back, the the only one I had was a, a marine friend that had been over there, and uh, I haven't talked to him in quite some time. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if he's still alive. So uh, it just doesn't come up. A lot of guys just don't talk about it. You know, a number of years ago, I interviewed a Vietnam vet who went back to live in in Vietnam, and he had an issue with a cancerous growth behind his ear, and it was growing out of his skull behind his ear, and he said the smell was awful. But as a result of using cannabis oil, it... uh, 
it eradicated the the tumor, and all you see behind his ear is just a little pink uh, area. So uh, I thought that was interesting because what you told me about uh, Agent Orange, I believe, because this was several years ago, I can't recall, but I believe that may have been a factor in his uh, issue as well. Oh, very well could have been. That and we were in uh, direct sunlight on the equator for a year or better. You know, so it may have started with a small uh, uh, lesion from uh, cancerous lesion from uh, exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I'm not sure why the Agent Orange picked on the prostates. I have no idea. You know, I'm not real yeah. medically knowledgeable in order to comment on that one. So I really couldn't tell you. But the THC and the uh, cannabis oil, it works, people. It works good. Well, you did a multi-strain oil, correct? Uh, yes, that's what I started with, was uh, the one that uh, you recommended to us, Corey, through yeah. a connection in your home state of California there. Uh, and uh, I picked that up a couple times. And it was a little, it was, it's, it's not cheap. It's, so it's expensive, it, but, you know, what's your life worth? Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, multi-strain is the way to go, that's for sure. And, uh, well, I did find in my home state, I did find another provider where I could get the almost pure THC oil, about 95 96% pure. Uh, they were very familiar with the Simpson oil um Rick Simpson oil recipe, the mm-hmm. Rick Simpson oil recipe, and and how to make it, and I was able to get twice as much for about the same price. So that's why I was able to afford to do that for an entire year. Excellent. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's problematic. What is the situation in with respect to medical cannabis in Florida? Uh, they now have um, stores and outlets for medical cannabis and uh, you can get your uh, marijuana card, your cannabis card down here. There was just voted through in the last election to have it uh, legalized for recreational cannabis. And I really didn't follow that too much because I had my own little side supplier. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't want to go after and try and get a medical marijuana card because I didn't want it advertised that I was doing it. But I think now that's been introduced, legislation has been introduced into uh, Congress and stuff where uh, veterans are going to be allowed to use cannabis for medical reasons. But I haven't done any further research on it to find out if that has been voted on or if it's gone through or not. Yeah, I think the situation is very much like up here. We've got the whole cannabis thing. We're allowed to use it, well, right across Canada, recreationally as well. However, when it comes to medical cannabis, in quotations, uh, to say it's subgrade would be an understatement. And certainly I've run into people who have tried to access uh, cannabis oil from dispensaries in Florida, and uh, it's been pretty shoddy. Yeah, that's what we found out, too, by a couple visits the wife and I made to some of the outlets for that. 
that they were kind of restricted to the actual potency that they could distribute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same here. It's interesting, isn't it? You can buy as much alcohol as you want. You can get as drunk as you want. Uh, and uh, people are quite aware that alcohol can cause you extreme health issues down the road. But uh, when it comes to cannabis, which has never killed anyone, which is beneficial to the human body, uh, they put restrictions on it. Yes. Yep, they do. And. Uh, not sure why either. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, the whole thing is just absolutely insane. But you know what, Paul? I'm so glad that you are healthy. At least you feel healthy, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Not a problem. It hasn't slowed me down. You know, age is a factor. I'm 70 years old now. But, uh, you know, and I got the aches and the creaky bones and the snapping knees when you move around too fast. But other than that, I feel great. I don't have a problem with any of it. Well, you're in midlife now. You're only 70. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> Do you guys notice the older you get, the older young become? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Uh, yeah, they're catching up to me. Yeah. <laughs> 70 is the new, what, 40? 35. 35. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Paul, is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion to the audience about uh, medical cannabis or your condition? Um, just one thing. I'd like to, to thank Corey for helping us out and introducing us to Phoenix Tears. Uh, sorry, I might get a little emotional here. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Because it, well, it basically sounds like it saved my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suspect it did. Paul, well, there's Paul, nothing wrong with showing emotions. Yeah, I thank you for, I thank you for listening to me when I talk to you. And I thank you for um, sharing your story and coming forward and sharing it. Because you can make a difference in somebody else's life just as I made a difference in yours. Oh, I hope so. I hope somebody listens to this, takes it to heart, and goes for it. Yeah, it just takes someone, one person around the world to tell someone else. And, uh, you know, those sorts of stories we probably never know about. But uh, I think you've been extremely brave in telling your story and telling us what you did. And as I said, you're in midlife now and you've got another 70 years to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that, but, you know, I'm I'm glad that I made it to 70 and I, I thank uh, I thank Corey for that. I thank cannabis treatments, and I'm glad that I did it. Great, thank you, Paul. And if you'd like to tell your story about your use of medical cannabis, then uh, send us an email. Go to our website, Cannabis Health Radio. Send us an email, and uh, we will contact you. And uh, Also, give us a few details. Sometimes we just get uh, a couple of lines from people, and we have to ask for a few details. We'd, uh, we'd very much appreciate that because your issue may be an issue that someone is considering around the world, and uh, we'd like to help as many people as we can. And also, as I mentioned at the top of the program, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, you can find us on all sorts of media platforms, social media platforms, which are too numerous to mention. And if you'd like to donate to Cannabis Health Radio, feel free. We 
Uh, we like to have people who donate on a monthly basis, but if a one-time donation is what you want to do, then that's great. And you can do that for as little as $5. And next time, listen to us on Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.